Camp, Camp, Camp Radio. Camp Radio. Camp. Welcome to Camp Radio, a podcast production of TN Baptist Camps, the official camps and conference centers of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. Camp Radio, discussing trends and issues that will encourage ministries and churches in their efforts to impact people for Christ. To learn more about TN Baptist Camps, visit us at tnbaptistcamps.org. Now, today's Camp Radio. Thank you for joining us on Camp Radio. My name is Kevin Peart, and I'll be your host. The pastorate has its challenges, but the challenges that come that are unexpected ones, sometimes we wish that we had been better prepared to face those challenges. We start our new series today with the What If, and we're going to be talking about how to handle the unexpected circumstances that pastors could experience. And who better to talk about this with is John Parrott. John has been with us before on our other podcasts. He he's, uh, has such a wealth of experience for all the years of being a director of missions and a pastor and a pastor of pastors. So, John, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Kevin. It's a joy to come back and be with you. And I certainly am not coming back as some sort of expert on anything, but the Bible says in Proverbs eleven fourteen, where there is no guidance, the people fall, but in an abundance of counselors, there's victory. And so I guess maybe you and I can talk over a few things today, and it might be helpful to someone who might be listening yeah. uh, in their their ministry or in their church. But again, I'm humbled, honored to be asked and come back with my good friend, Kevin Perigen, uh, whom I respect greatly. So I'm looking forward to our time together, Kevin. Oh, good, good. I, I'm, it, this is always a fun time. What we're going to be talking about today is conflict. You know, church conflict is... Uh, most pastors, there's probably very few that don't face some sort of conflict within their church. This is one of those things that, uh, not that I know of, I, I didn't take a seminary course in <laughs> conflict. Uh, maybe you did, but I did not. And I'm sure our listening audience has probably hasn't had a course in that either. So that's one of those things when you get into a pastorate or you're, you're one of the ministers at, uh, at your local church, that you may face, and, and the chances are you will face some sort of conflict. How, how do we deal with conflict? Yeah, well, that's certainly true, and I'll be—I'll certainly amen what you said. There's so many things that, in the journey of, of leadership in a church and being a pastor, things that happen that no, nobody could teach you anything about it. Uh, some of it, the truth of the matter is, you learn, I guess, in the journey of the school of hard knocks. Or you learn it by gathering around you people that you can be accountable with, you know, and feed back and forth on. So uh, my concern today is we talk about conflictiveness in churches is that uh, this is certainly not a time this needs to be happening. If there was ever a time that our churches need to come together uh, and be together in their focus in the gospel, it's the time in which we're living now. It's always been that way, but even I feel like more so today. Well, and I agree with you. There, there are countless churches that are struggling. And, yes. and you wouldn't have thought that, uh, especially a church that's, that's doing virtual services, why would there be conflict here? And they're really not interacting, but there that it has become a problem. Yes, it has. And, and we'll talk some about that today, the kind of strains that are now being felt because we have gone to a virtual situation oft times. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've reflected on it a lot, Kevin, uh, how in the world do guys do it today? Mm-hmm. I never took a journey like that. There, mm-hmm. Not to say there weren't conflictive issues, but 
certainly not a time like we're in now. So I marvel and are thankful for those godly men who are trying to provide leadership during this time. But the interesting thing I, I believe we'll discover about conflict sometimes, sad to say with churches, is that a lot of the conflict has much ado about nothing and really is not much conflict at all about what we need to be doing with the gospel. But we'll talk a little bit about the things that seem to divide us, uh, to break down the fellowship, and, and hopefully we'll discover that we have a shrewd enemy who knows how to incorporate that into the body and create these issues, which shouldn't be issues. Yet there are some, we'll discover through Scripture today, the conflicts that are very serious uh, because of what they might do to hinder the gospel. So right. let me begin by just telling you a little simple story. And okay. you may have read this story, and those listening may have, and it actually comes out of Mayfield County, Kentucky, some years ago. So I, let me share the story. And honestly, I've, ne- I've not sought to really verify everything about the story, but it's a real simple little story to show you how we can become conflictive over little of nothing in a church. But in the 1800s, in Mayfield County, Kentucky, there was a small Baptist church in the community that only had two deacons. Now, one of the deacons decided to put a peg in the wall on the church building in recognition of a need of a place for the pastor to hang his hat when he came to church. Well, the other deacon saw the peg in the wall, and he was enraged. How dare anyone put that peg there without consulting him? So he was very (laughs) upset about it. Making a long story short, members of the church became involved in an argument that had taken place between the two deacons. And as can happen in a church, the membership of the church began to take sides. And eventually, the church split over the peg in the wall. (laughs) Now, it's said that there's a church today in that community area that is known as the Anti-Peg Baptist Church. Well, it's it's a humorous story, but there's a sadness to it. As you can see, a peg in a wall totally divided a people who were supposed to be focused in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, coming off that, I can say, and, and you already mentioned it, 25 years I was a pastor. 19 years I served as a director of missions. And for five years was blessed to work with the mission board staff in Tennessee, and in particular focusing on bivocational ministry churches, small churches. So I can say this, when it comes to churches, I have witnessed the good, the bad, and the ugly (laughs) over those years. Tom Rainer says in his book, I am a church member, and I quote him, but I've said the same thing. Some of the finest, loving, encouraging, supporting people I know are church members, but some of the meanest people I have ever known are church members. And that breaks our heart, but it's true. What we have to understand, I often had to tell pastors this, they get upset because things would become conflictive in their church. And I would tell them, well, you're having conflict basically because you're dealing with people. Churches are people. People are problems. If you don't have any problems, quit fooling with people. But they are pastors of churches. And there are people in the church uh, that we would term they are antagonists. They antagonize in the church. They've always been there, and we'll see that in a minute. Antagonists are those who with little or no actual evidence that go out of their way to make demands and they usually are attacking a person or a performance in the church when they do that. The attacks are selfish in nature, always about tearing down rather than building up and are frequently directed over against the leadership in the church. Antagonists, yet these individuals are members of churches. Churches will have conflict. 
you know, I, I, that shouldn't be a surprise to anyone, a church having conflict. But I try to help people understand conflict is a neutral term. It's what you do with conflict that will make it a bad thing or it can be a good thing. Now, what would we suppose if there never was any conflict in a group? They never had any conflict about anything. The one thing I would believe is, you know, they never really had any real purpose. There wasn't anything they were focused on. So therefore, they never had any conflict. But conflict comes because we care. Conflict comes because we're active. Conflict comes because we're seeking to have a focus. So conflict can be good or bad. It can be healthy. It can be unhealthy. It can be creative or it can be destructive. And we have to understand that. An antagonist in a church, though, is a person who becomes selfish and attacks. And if you empower them, then you're creating a dangerous situation. How do we empower them? Now, most of the time in the church, well, I've noticed through the years when they have conflict, they will uh, try their best to appease it, you know, stroke it, or they ignore it, one or the other. And either way, they're empowering it. And you empower it, things get deeper and they get dangerous. So I want to show a little analogy of that today uh, in our time together out of the book of Third John in Scripture, which was part of our January Bible study this year. And I want to read a few verses, then make a few comments about Third John, because there's one thing we discover. How old is conflict in a church? We'll go back to the New Testament. The very earliest days of the church, what did they have? Conflict, because you're dealing with people and people that are trying to get focused on what they, about what they believe is right. Third John, in the Life Application Commentary, the commentary says there are only 219 words in that book. Very few words. But it's a good place to learn about antagonism Mm -hmm. and church conflict. Because in this book, you see one person, one individual in the church that has the power to dishearten and destroy the purpose of the church. One individual in that church. Now, there are four men mentioned in 3 John. There is Gaius, and there's Diotrephes, and there's Demetrius, but then there's also the one called the Elder, which we believe, you know, obviously to be the Apostle John. And uh, the idea of his being Elder, it denotes it denotes maturity and ability to counsel, and this is what John was trying to do with his church. Uh, other terms in, in leadership in the church in New Testament days, and still true today, there was the pastor or the shepherd, there was the bishop or the overseer, the administrator in the body. But here we see John, and and in the first eight verses here, if you allow me to, I'd like to read those verses because I want to make a point. As we we look at conflict, according to this this book, the Bible says that the elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth, beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health, just as your soul prospers. For I was very glad when the brothers came and testified to your truth, how you're walking in truth. I have no greater joy than this to hear my children walking in truth. Beloved, you are acting faithfully in whatever you accomplish for the brothers, and especially when they are strangers. And they have testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. For they went out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support such men that we may be fellow workers with the truth. The thing that jumps out to you immediately when you read that passage is look at the relationship. You see, sometimes we have a tendency to forget the church is about relationships. And uh, we have an enemy, but it's not your brother. But there is an enemy, and he's right. he's beneath the surface working. But but it's about relationships. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6, the Bible says, To the praise of His glorious grace, that He favored us in the Beloved. When conflict arises in a church, we must remember that we're not really battling against flesh and blood. 
The Bible teaches that, that we're battling against spirits and powers of darkness. Now, we are the children of God. Those who are truly saved are the children of God. But, but how do we become a child of God? How are we the child of God? It's because we've trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We're beloved. Why? Because we belong to Jesus. You know, when Jesus was baptized, you know, the Father said, This is my beloved Son, whom I'm well pleased. And you are the beloved in Jesus. We're accepted by God on the basis of the finished work of Jesus Christ at the cross. So that's what binds us together. That becomes the fellowship, the relationship. But what is it that happens that creates conflict? Every church I was ever in as a director of missions, there were, there were some people that I always looked for or tried to discern about in the church. And all churches had them. They either had matriarchs or patriarch. And you had to learn who they were. Most of the time I could learn who they were by listening to the church and say they're having a, a setting, a business meeting or whatever, which by the way, one of the things I've tried to help churches see with conflict too, a lot of their conflict sometimes burns out of business meetings. And I've told them, don't call them business meetings. Yeah. You know, I've tried to encourage them. This is our monthly ministry evaluation or whatever. You know, we're, we're not in business. Right. We're in the sharing of the gospel. What do we get accomplished in the gospel to try to try to neutralize some of that term because their young preachers tell you when they hear that word business meeting mm -hmm. terrifies them they've had some difficult times cause conflict and most of the time that comes up because they're matriarchs and patriarchs in the church and and when they're having to make some major decision and they're discussing it in the church and somebody raises up, what do you think we ought to do about it you watch all the heads turn to brother so-and-so sister so-and-so <laughs> how are they reacting to this most of the time the people are going to react on what they think the matriarch or the patriarch things they have gotten that kind of influence in the church well it's about relationships but when you come to verse 9 and through verse 11 in third john then you meet a patriarch you meet this guy diotrephes and the bible says that i wrote something to the church this is john speaking but diotrephes who loves to be first among them does not accept what we say. You, you want to think about your church in conflict? This, these people are in conflict because this man has no respect for the Apostle John. Mm -hmm. Can you believe it? There'd be a man in yeah. the church that will not respect the Apostle John. He doesn't respect anything about what he's about. And he lets that be known. Bible says, for this reason, if I come, I'll call attention to, to his deeds, which he does, unjustly accusing us with wicked words. He's a gossiper. He's not satisfied with this. He himself does not receive the brothers. Either he forbids those who desire to do so. He don't like them either. And I don't know how this came about. I don't really understand it, but he's actually putting them out of the church. If they don't agree with him, you're out of here. Now, how in the world did that ever come to be? But it's certainly true. So John says, Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. The one who does good is of God, and the one who does evil is not seeing God. So he said, we got a, we got a problem here. It's a moral problem. It's a spiritual problem. Okay. We know very little about Diotrephes except what these verses say. We don't really know what his role in the church was. Was he a leader or was he just a loud church member? We don't know. But he was somebody accustomed to being in the spotlight. Now, have you ever met anybody like that in the church? Yeah. They're just accustomed to being in the spotlight. They like attention. They're everywhere. They're always looked to by others in matters concerning the church. And there's suddenly this forgetfulness that arises. It brings conflict to the church. The forgetfulness is, you see, here he felt like he was first. He was the one to be considered first. But he forgot what the Bible says. You see in Colossians 1.18, he, Jesus, is also the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, firstborn from the dead. So he might have first place, preeminence, and everything. 
Well, what does Diophysi say? I'm first. I'm in first place. John 3, 17 and 18, John wrote, said, at first John, he says, if anyone has this world's goods, sees his brother in need, but shuts off his compassion from him. So what is Diotrephes about? He's shutting off compassion from anyone else. I mean, he doesn't want to help anyone else. He doesn't agree. I don't know these people. I don't know their names. Does that sound familiar today? We start talking about the people, you know, that may be showing up in our country and all this, and we're saying, I don't know these people. I don't know their names. I don't know anything about them. I don't want anything to do with them. Now I'm getting off my soapbox for a minute. But but you see, this is this was the heart of Diotrephes toward others that he didn't know. It was stranger to him that he didn't want anything to do with them. He didn't want the church having anything to do with them. He didn't want John giving any advice on this. I'll make the best decisions concerning this. I preached on this uh, in an association a few years ago in their annual meeting, and I talked about, you know, I have a lot of trouble understanding why that uh, we can get on an airplane, go to another country, uh, we can get on a bus and drive there, or we get on a train, whatever we want to do, an automobile. And we'll go there. I want to tell you about Jesus. But don't you come to me. Don't you come on my borders. Don't you come where I live. I'm not interested. There's something wrong with that picture because our task is always the gospel. But the Diotrephes here is having a problem with that. He doesn't know these people. He doesn't trust. Maybe he doesn't trust John. I don't know. But he doesn't want to hear any of this. So he rebels against it. And he's creating a problem with the church. And the question becomes then, how does a Diotrephes get into a church? How can anybody be in the church that could be this way and have a spirit like this. I really believe, uh, Kevin, it happens because in the church sometimes we don't raise up strong spiritual leadership. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid sometimes we're using the wrong uh, definitions for why we're putting people in places in the church instead of their true relationship with the Lord. We got to understand a little empowerment in the heart of a privileged church member becomes dangerous. And that's what had happened with the Diotrephes. He became dangerous. John knew he was dangerous. And I'll I'll finish this up and just manage why this is so dangerous, why conflict is so dangerous in a church. There's Demetrius who shows up in verse 12. You know, he's received. He's got a good testimony of the truth itself. Uh, We had our testimony, John. We know that our testimony is true. This is a godly man. This is a man who's walking in Jesus Christ as Gaius did. You know, he, he, he knows the Lord. He's in the scripture. He's a prayer. He's in the word. So sometimes when conflict comes to a church, there is a mediator needed. John was attempting to be that mediator. And of course, Demetrius probably was sent for that same purpose as as a messenger from John. So he was to be a mediator and helping give guidance to the church during a time of conflict. I'll have to say, sad to say, I guess, but there were times as a director of missions, I went to churches as a mediator. You know how it is with anybody that's in a particular position. There are always those who say, when he gets over here, he'll know what to do. He'll know what to say. Well, not really, no more than anybody else does, except that he knows one thing, and, and we have to learn conflict too. Remember we said we're not battling against flesh and blood, mm-hmm. but dark things and all like that. He has to teach the people that whatever is going on, uh, your brother is not your enemy, but there is an enemy. And And you know, let's take, for example, you have you have a lovely family and your children. If if you went out in community and picked up on the fact that somebody in the community was saying derogatory things about your children, would that bother Kevin? Sure. Sure it would. Yeah. We got a heavenly father and we are his children. Now if his children start saying derogatory things about one another, think it bothers the father? Yeah. Sure it does. Because he loves all and he dies for all on the cross. And sometimes we get off the focus of that. But here was Demetrius who reads the Word of God. He, he puts the Word of God into his life. He's living out his faith. He walks the talk. His life is consistent. We need those kind of people in the church. Mm-hmm. 
because you have to deal with these issues of conflict. The Lord Jesus Christ is the only one who can change a life and give it a good report. And so we do everything we can to make people aware that Jesus changes lives. Let me finish up this, this segment. We're talking about conflict in the church. Why it is such a serious issue. You say, well, people divide. They, they have their differences and they don't make up, but they're all still there and we're still going to church. They may sit on this side and we sit on this side, but what's the big deal? We're there to worship God. The thing that I want us to see, I have a little book by Dr. Russell Bradley Jones entitled Proclaiming the New Testament. Uh, some would remember this. It really dated. He was one time professor at Carson Newman many years ago, but he wrote this little book, and I have this book in my, and so I got to reading his book again, and I'm, I'm borrowing off of what Dr. Jones said about the seriousness of what happened with the autophys. Why is this so serious as a matter of conflict in the church, and why is conflict so serious to the church? He says, and you can certainly see it here, the great concern John must have had, undoubtedly had, and we need to have, is that the autophys in the ultimate is an opponent of the Great Commission. You see, the Lord, is His church is to be missional. Here is Diotrephes kicking every bit of that in the teeth. You know, He doesn't want these. The strangers, I didn't reference, the strangers coming were actually those who were on mission for Christ. Those who had come in His name had to have a place to stay. I think about the old world missions conferences and mission celebrations. The missionaries come to our associations mm-hmm. and uh, they'd have to have a place to stay. I was always grateful for those homes who opened their doors to the missionaries. Well, in John's day, these traveling missionaries of the gospel are trying to, you know, find a place to stay. And you say, well, and there's somewhere in the community they could have stayed. Well, the first thing we all know is they didn't have any Holiday Inns and they didn't have any Hamptons. They did have a few inns around, and most of those were, in that day, were probably overseen by the Romans. But they were nothing but flea-infested, immoral places to be. And they were trying to find places that would care for these missionaries and feed them, take right. care of them, maybe send them with resource on their way of the spreading of the gospel. The Antiphes sits himself over against this. He doesn't want this. And, and so that's why it becomes serious. He's standing against the Great Commission. Dr. Jones said, all sin is terrible, but conflict and division in the church has great consequences. For example, when you have conflict in your church, you're getting in the way of the progress of the gospel. Now, what breaks our heart sometimes is some people see their issue in conflict more important than the gospel itself. Something is wrong with our heart. Okay, when that happens, something has happened to us. And then you're sinning against Christ and his purpose. You're sinning against the word of truth. You're sinning against the eternal welfare of immortal souls. Do we have time in a culture like we're living in today to be conflictive as a church? I don't think so. There never was a time for it. Definitely not time for it now. Because we ever had a time that people needed the gospel, not to just to hear it, but to see it example in community. It's a time in which we're living. So conflict leads to disobedience and it leads to division and it leads to sin that's against everything that's high and holy. So our failure in obedience to witness of the gospel has almost allowed the diatrophies of our day to win the day. And I think it's time as a church we've got to sober and accept that fact you know, you and I were talking earlier and I said, you know, there's nowhere to point the finger unless we point it at us because we somehow have have lost our focus on this gospel. Not just what we're saying about it, but what we're doing with our lives, how we're living our lives, what we're relating into our lives. And this is what happened with the autophies. The greatest hope our nation has, the greatest hope the world has is the gospel. And so I would only hope, because there's always going to be conflict, that we as a people would, would really get on our knees our face before God and confess that what we're all so upset about 
has nothing to do with what God has called us to do because nine times out of ten, sometimes there are doctrinal divisions in churches. That happens. But most of the conflict that comes to churches and divisions that come really have nothing to do with the gospel. I know in my experience as director of missions, I had people come to my office and weep and wail and bemoan for 30 minutes and then walk out and I'm sitting there thinking when they left, what in the world did this have to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ? So we get off tangent. So it's real. Mm -hmm. Conflict is real, but we have got to be a people right now. I really think one of the things, we'll say a little bit more about this later on, is that it is a time of repentance for the church. I'm not asking, you know, saying that all men and women need to repent, but it's a time of repentance for God's people to return to the task at hand of this great commission, what it's called us to do. Not get people saved, make disciples, followers of Jesus Christ that make a difference in generation to come. So so I thought we'd open up a little bit by just talking about that. Conflict yeah. in the church, it's always going to be there. Right. And especially, I think, what you're, you're continually alluding to our time that we're living in, uh, those who uh, are probably have been consistent and participating in our churches right now, virtually or in person, those have been the ones who are committed. Yes. And, and they, they desperately want to continue to be discipled. And, uh, and we have others that are coming to our churches, but we have many have fallen away. Yeah, that's true. And, and one of the things, and, and people debate it, that, uh, you know, what do we do? You know, we, we face the challenge. Do we, do we close down the building? Do we open up the building? And how does the culture look at that, fairly, unfairly? And some people have seen us, you know, because we've had those. And I hope people will take me the right way. But, oh, look at those church people. They go on down there. They don't wear a mask, nothing. They just yeah. going to go ahead and do their thing. They don't care yeah. about people. Yeah. They don't care about safety and all that. You know, you, you've got a culture. You have to always remember that when we got anything going on in our church, there is a world that does not know God, nor does it know Jesus Christ. So therefore, it doesn't understand anything about what we're doing. And that's dangerous because we're giving off the wrong vibes. Right. And if we're involved in conflict, the world knows we're in co- we have conflict. You know, and we'll say some more about that yeah. later on, too. And, and, I, and that impacts our opportunity sure to share does. Christ with Sure them. it does. Yeah. yeah. Well, John, thank you for just sharing, uh, yes. starting this beginning of our series on what if. And, and con- conflict is such a difficult area because there's all different, uh, different levels of conflict. Yes. Every, even if you have a conflict that's very similar, uh, different times, it, it's always different. And you always have to handle it differently because people are different. Yes. And so, uh, but I appreciate you coming and sharing with us yes, a little sir. bit about conflict. Yeah. If you're listening to us right now on uh, uh, iTunes, I hope that you'll leave a comment and, and just uh, tell us what you think. Or maybe you might want to continue to follow us. Uh, if you would like to hear more or talk, have some questions for what we do at TM Baptist Camps or for John, just see, send us an email at ccinfo at tmbaptistcamps.org. Until next time, I hope that you look for opportunities to start a conversation about Christ with someone you know. Thanks for listening to Camp Radio, a podcast production of TN Baptist Camps, the official camps and conference centers of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. This and other episodes can be downloaded from tnbaptistcamps.org. The ministries of Carson Springs and Linden Valley are supported through the cooperative program and gifts received through the Golden Offering for Tennessee Missions. For more information, visit tnbaptistcamps.org.